The blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back, Outhouses, Whiskey, and Sunsets. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me this week is co-host Dean. Hello, Dean. Hello, Tim. Hello, Dean. Hello, Tim. You usually have something to say after oh, that. No. Take it I away, was wait- Dean. I was waiting for you. <laughs> take, it. take it away. Okay. Um, well, I do have to warn you that I am uh, podcasting from work tonight, so... Um, I just have to warn you that if there's a fire outside my window, I will have to call that in, um, but then I can get back to podcasting. I should have just taken it myself, Dean. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I just wanted to warn you, I'm in my watchtower. It's okay, it's okay. Uh, It's okay. This podcast is going to be on fire tonight. Oh, nice. You should have, you're right, you should have taken it. (laughs) No, it's equally as bad. We should have just skipped that altogether. Listen, I kind of just want to get right into this. I think we have to, Tim. We have to, because I think there's a lot to cover, and there's a lot of good things to talk about, and I want to make sure we talk about it all. And I don't want to go too long. So we're talking, uh, in case people haven't realized yet, about a video game called Firewatch. Now, Dean. Yes. We don't, we haven't done too many video games yet. No, I'm, I'm excited that we're doing another video game. The reason is because video games take a long time to play and to beat. So, you know, we can read a comic in a couple hours, we can watch a movie in a couple hours, but these video games take a lot longer. So that's why they're a little bit more sparsely populated in our podcast. But totally, I really wanted to talk about this one for a while. So I'm super excited for this. They especially take long when you beat them twice. That's right. Yeah. Which you did. Yeah, I played it twice this week. I played it once, but I've played it before. Ah, so twice so in I all. have played it twice as well. Okay. Now, I played this game back when it came out all the way back in the year 2016. Wow, we're such a throwback podcast, Tim. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that. Now, we kind of, we allow ourselves to talk about whatever we want whenever we want, but we try to do mostly retro content. Um, my definition of retro is anything that has happened in the past. So yeah, that that is very retro. Yeah, everything kind of fits into my category. Now yeah. this one, I think this one works because this in the game it takes place in uh, nineteen eighty five. I think it starts. I think you working there that summer is summer of eighty nine. Okay. Yes. Well, the game starts in eighty five. Right. You get to your job in eighty nine. Then. Yeah. We're both right. Look at that. Oh wow! We don't have to fight. We're off to a great start. We've both played it twice. (laughs) We're both right with different answers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Yes, so I played this when it came out in 2016. Uh, This was on my radar for a little while, and I was super duper stoked when it came out. I picked it up right away on PS4 and fell in love with it. It's like... Sweet. I'm sure... I don't have... Oh, go go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I'm sure you fell in love with it as well. Yes, exactly. I did fall in love with it. I didn't fall in love with it in 2016 because I don't have a video game radar. Um, but right. well, you playing had, it this week, totally fell in love with it. You had me telling you it was so good, but you didn't have a PS4 or an Xbox. 
uh, I, I'm assuming we haven't talked about this. I'm assuming you played this on the Switch. That is correct. Correct. And it, it didn't get ported over to the Switch until 2018. So. Okay. Lucky me. Mm-hmm. Lucky you. I loved it then. And I love it now on this replay. It's great replay value. You, you would know you played it two times in one week. Yes. And I also, I loved it the first time and I loved it the second time when I played it three days later. Yeah, exactly. Now we have to alert the listeners to one fact here, and that is we are going to completely spoil the story of this game. There's no, like, there's no way around it for us. The only way we can talk about this game is to dig into the story and it is going to be completely spoiler riddled. So I recommend if you haven't played this game and you want to play the game, turn this podcast off and go play the game. It's wonderful. I don't know what it costs now, maybe like 10 or 15 bucks. It's about an eight hour game. It's good value. It's a great value, yeah. actually. Um, so, you know, go ahead and play it if you want to. If you're not really interested in playing it, then just listen to us tell you about it for free. Yeah, it, exactly. It might even be better, a better deal just to do that. Yeah, I, I would say it's a better deal for sure. We're going to tell you everything that happens in the game. You don't even have to play it. Yeah, and you get our dumbass opinions about the game as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, is, which are price, everybody which appreciates. Are priceless. <laughs> yeah. And they're always right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I don't concede to that. I know you do. Yeah. My opinions are always right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm open to other opinions and to being wrong. Uh, but Oh, yeah. Not me. I'm, I'm a closed off person. I, I know. That's okay. Just, just don't speak for the both of us on that one. Okay. Sorry. All right. Now, like I mentioned, released in 2016, Firewatch is the first and only game developed by the video game company Campo Santo. It's a very small video game company. They were founded in 2013, and this game does extremely well. It sells 500,000 copies in the first month, and as of 2018, which is like the last time they reported game sales, they had sold 2.5 million copies. Oh, wow. So for an indie game, that's pretty successful. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, but I'm not surprised. It's like this this game is... uh, I'm just gushing over this game. Oh, of course. I will be too. Firewatch was announced in 2014. And in preparation for the game, the team took a camping trip to Yosemite National Park, which is where the game is kind of situated. And they kind of just hung out there for a little while that's awesome yeah it's cool right they went and visited a lookout tower they kind of like checked out what it looked like what it felt like and they used all of that as inspiration for this game oh perfect i would i would say according to things that happened in the game they probably drank a lot too oh probably it is camping probably got into some beers up there it is camping beer and whiskey yeah now two of the team members are also from wyoming which is where the game is set so I think that probably helped them like in perfecting the vision for this game. So about the gameplay, Firewatch is considered an adventure game in the first person to view, but you can't like you can't put this game in a genre. It's I would I would call it more of an experience if anything. Right? Yeah. Like it is you are on a bit of an adventure, but um it's like you're it's like you're playing a movie, right? It's it's definitely like that, and it's a movie that's like, it's almost like a slice of life type movie. You just get a sliver of this guy's life, right? 
Yeah. You have a little bit knowledge of what happened before. You don't know what's going to happen next. But you're connected to the character deeply. For sure. Now, you play the role of Henry, who is one of the two protagonists in the game. It's a heavily narrative-based game with yeah, basically like simple obstacles you need to overcome that will drive the narrative forward. And it's pretty cool that you get to communicate in the game with a walkie-talkie to a fellow fire lookout named Delilah, who works in a tower several miles away. So you, um, you kind of take this job as a fire lookout in this national park. You're a protagonist, the other protagonist, Delilah, and you guys communicate. Yeah. Right off the bat, I kind of wanted to start talking about a few of the things that make this game great. Like, we don't have enough time to go over the team, like the entire team, even though it is rather small, maybe 15 people. But I want to focus on kind of the, the key elements that are, are really making this game fantastic. So okay, cool. first off, we're going to hit on the art. Obviously, this game, it looks beautiful. Um, when it came out, it was the it was the most visually pleasing video game I had ever seen. Going back to play it, you know, four years later, it's a little bit dated, um, mostly with right. the mostly with like the 3D models. The the vision is clearly not outdated at all. It's still as beautiful as ever. Uh, yeah, it's very scenic. Like there are so many spots in the game where you can just kind of stop and look. And I think the game is um, very tailored to be, you be able to do that. Yeah, definitely. So the concept art for the game is done by a gentleman named Oli Moss. Now, this dude is a world-class graphic designer. He mostly reimagines movie posters. Uh, you've probably seen some of his work. His work remaking the original Star Wars trilogy posters, it's some of my favorite Star Wars poster work. It's just oh, it's cool. excellent. You have to go check it out. I'll post some of it as well when we release this Yeah, episode. we got to throw some of that up on the Instagram. Yeah, because some, some of them are just so, so neat. So he this, he's also been commissioned by Marvel. And he did the first digital covers for the Harry Potter series. Oh, cool. Now, his partner in crime in this game is uh, someone called Jane Ng. Now, she was responsible for taking Moss's vision and translating that into a 3D environment. Ooh, cool. Like, talk about the, the most daunting task you could get. No kidding. Is, yeah. like, taking this guy's incredible concept work and turning it 3D and making it still look great like yeah and it does and oh. you really feel like you're occupying that space like it it doesn't really feel at all like the world is bigger than what it's supposed to be or smaller than what it's supposed to be it actually feels like maybe it would take you that long to walk those distances yeah yeah it's a, it's a big area it's really nice it, it is it's, yeah it's big but it doesn't feel too big it's kind of perfect it, it, yeah it's not too big and it actually doesn't take too long to get places um, when you, sometimes when you look at the map, something looks really far away and it actually doesn't take that long to get there, but it's just hard to like navigate yourself to there. That's right. Like you're, uh, you're probably going like three or four times the speed that a human would normally be going, um, just for how much, like how much sure. area you, you travel in, in an amount of time. 
Um, it's not like when you're walking in the game, it looks like you're walking at normal speed, but when you're looking at a map and you see the distance you have to go, you're clearly moving faster than if someone was just walking there, but, but it works, right? Cause you don't want to look at this map and then be like, oh my goodness, I have to go all the way to the top of it. And it's going to take me like 20 minutes to do it. Right. You look at this map, you're like, oh, I have to go all the way there. If you stay on the right path, it might take you three minutes, right? Yeah. If you get lost a little bit longer, but, um, uh, this uh, Jane Ng, she's a, a total hero here. She didn't like the idea of using programming to generate the uh, the trees. They wanted to auto-generate all the trees. Okay. That was no good by her. So she said, I'm going to model all the trees myself. She, ha- wow. she hand-modeled 23 different kinds of trees that are used in the game. Cool. Hero. Hero alert. Hero. Yeah, hero. She got the hug? Um... You're saving the hug. I don't know who gets the hug in this one. It's tough. No, I'm going to save the hug. I'll, okay, I know she, where you're going with it. Yeah, you do. She gets the pat on the yeah. back. Okay, yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good, too. Yeah, it is. It's something. Okay, so the art was the first major thing for me. Second major thing for me is the story. It's written by three of the four founding members of the company, Campo Santo. The fourth person involved in writing it is Chris Remo, who was also a designer on the game and was the composer of the the soundtrack in the game. Now, quick, quick, quick overview of the story. It's set in Shoshone National Forest in Wyoming. Uh, We mentioned it before. Your character is Henry. He's a fire lookout. You've left a bit of a troubled life to take a job where you're hoping to find a place for personal reflection and escape. What you get is a summer of mystery and paranoia as you slowly uncover a plot you find yourself caught up in. Great. Sounds good. That's just like it's a high a high level glossing over of that because we're going to dig into that. Now, the third most important thing for me in this game is the music. The score features a combination of electric guitar, acoustic guitar, bass guitar, and electric piano. And this Chris Remo guy, he wrote the score and played all the instruments himself. Amazing. He did everything. And he hits on so many different feelings and emotions in this score. Like, he's got calm in there. He's got soothing. He's got, like, anxious, scared. There's confused. There's sad. All these different tracks that are played at all these different times. My goodness, dude. I just, I love this soundtrack. I actually, after I beat the game, I went out and bought the, the the soundtrack. That was the first thing I did. And I love putting this soundtrack on when I'm reading comics. It just, it's just, it's so perfect. That's a great idea, Tim. That As soon as you told me that, um, after I played the game, you're like, oh man, the, the soundtrack's so good. I went in, out and bought it as well. And I've just been rocking it all week. It's it's great music to for me to work to. Um, and totally great music to listen to listen to while you're reading comics because like I, I can't listen to music that has words in it. Yeah, and there's n- like there's only one song in this soundtrack that has words, and that wasn't and in, that one wasn't in the game. It was uh, just an additional it, one song. It was in the game, Tim. Oh, was it? I found it on my second play. Oh, did you? And we're and we're gonna talk about it. Tell me when we oh, get no, there. No, no, tell me right now. Spoil it for me. <laughs> Spoil it for you right now. Yeah, I want to know. Did you ever find the lyrics to this song? Um, I don't think so. Not that I remember. No. Okay. So the lyrics to the song are in a burnt down outhouse. So you can find them. You can keep them. The song is written by Dave 
one of the Ron and Dave, you've been reading their letters. Yeah. The song is written by Dave. Mm. Ron plays and sings the song and leaves it for Dave. No way. And you find their hideout, their little lookout, and there's a tape there. And you put the tape in and the music starts playing. Oh, dude, that's incredible. I have to it's go back and incredible. do that. I'm going back yes. to do that. That's awesome. It totally wraps up their story because the first time I played it, I was like, what is this story? It seemed a little like a little left left off and like a side, you know, a side idea. Yeah. But oh, after cool. after finding that hideout, so good. Cool. I, I did not find their hideout. Uh, okay. So they're all, all the music is in the game. Excellent. The voiceover in this game is fantastic as well. Oh, by the way, I'm giving Chris Remo my hug. Yeah, for, I thought so. Me too. Group hug. He writes it. He's one of the game designers, and he did all the music all by himself. I mean, whoa. Amazing. Good job. Now, basically two voices in the game. There's like the voice of your character, Henry, which was mm-hmm. done by Rich Summer, and he's most well known for his role in Mad Men, I'd say. And the female voice was done by Chrissy Jones. Now she's just a like a big time uh, video game voiceover talent. She's done okay, cool over forty games uh, over the last ten years. So they're both incredible. They were. Now guess what yeah. they decided to do? And what they do? I guess we're kind of spoiling a little bit of the game here because you don't actually ever meet this other character. Right, she's yeah. she's the main character with you, but you never meet her. Um, these two voice actors they decided not to meet during production to maintain the distance be- between their characters. Cool, that's cool, hey. I love that. Yeah, definitely love that dedication to it. Yep. So, Dean. Yes, Tim. This game it starts out a bit different than any game I've ever played, and same with me. It definitely hooked me hard. I love when stuff right off the bat hooks me hard, helps me to dig into it. It basically starts off as like a text-based intro, and it's jumping a little bit back and forth between a story that you're taking part in and a little bit of gameplay that's getting you to your job at this fire lookout place. So the story is it's Boulder, Colorado, 1985, and we start off the story with how we meet Julia. Now, during the story, though, us as the player, we're being asked to choose one of two answers mm. that will progress this story in different ways. Yeah. So you're you're allowed to make these decisions, and it's fun, Dean. It's it fun. is it is fun. Did you find it fun and not stressful? You know what? The first time I played, I was just I got dug in so deep to it because I'd yeah. never seen anything like it. I spent so much time. On that that opening, I probably spent 20, 25 minutes because I was just kind of totally. analyzing the, the dialogue and trying to figure out like how I should answer these questions. Yeah. And knowing that what I answered was going to affect what comes next, um, I was really like trying to decide how I wanted to how I wanted to play this character in the game. Like, how did I want to come at it? Did I yeah. did I want to be an asshole? Did I want to be like a good guy? Did I want to be comforting? Did I want to be standoffish? You get the opportunity to do all that. Like, you're kind of, you are this character. So I, I took it very seriously the first time through. And then, actually, I shouldn't even say it that way because 
I think I took it more seriously the second time because the first time, okay. the first time, even though I took the intro very seriously, I was having a lot of fun in the game and not really taking some of that as seriously. The, the yeah. second time through, I was like, okay, the first time I went off the rails a little bit, had a little bit of fun. I want to see what happens if I played a little bit more straight and narrow. Yeah. We learn that our character, Henry, uh, falls in love with this Julia and life is good. They're talking about having kids, but tragically, Julia starts having health issues and she basically gets early onset dementia. Yeah. Um, our dog dies. Julia. Yeah, horrible. Yeah, Julia doesn't even remember the dog. Uh, who is your dog? Who is my dog? Yeah, did you get Mayhem or Bucket? Oh, I got Mayhem. Yeah, I got Mayhem too. Yeah. The German Shepherd, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course. Bucket? I, I like the name Bucket. Do though. you? <laughs> yeah. If a little tiny dog, the name Bucket, I think it really works. <laughs> There's no way I was taking Bucket. <laughs> um, but yeah, then um, Julie is actually starting to have a hard time recognizing Henry even. So yeah. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking right off the bat. And yeah. Henry decides that he isn't able to care for Julia anymore and kind of sends her to go live with her parents in Australia. Yeah. And Henry then takes this job as a, f a fire lookout. And that whole intro, if you're just kind of answering the questions and doing a little bit of gameplay, it's only about 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but it, it basically gets you to that lookout tower. And it's just this excellent intro. Like, what did you think the first time playing that intro? Oh, yeah, I was blown away. I don't play a lot of games. So I didn't know if this was a type of game that like a style of game that I just hadn't played before. Um, but I was just so so into it like you said it just pulled me in immediately getting to answer questions about like my life right away i was i was not stressed out at all like i wasn't thinking like oh no like everything's gonna matter i kind of got it right away that this is gonna be a little bit of a like a, like i said a slice of life type game where i'm gonna be able to make some decisions and direct my character the way i want so i just answered them the way I would answer the question. Sometimes both of the options are both things I wouldn't do. So you'd kind of have to pick the the one that you thought you'd do, you know, the, the most. But um, I was really into it. Like you said, it grabbed me right away. And the cut between the cut between walking to the lookout and then going back to your story, you just know. Like as I'm walking, you're just like, okay, something bad is going to happen in my story because what am I doing here all alone in the woods? I actually I actually just thought like I was going on a nature trek. You know, I just thought I was going out to find myself in the woods, which I guess you kind of are, but you have taken a job there. A job that doesn't require you to do very much, but no, not not very much at all. Just watch her watch her watch her for fire fires. and radio it in. Basically, yeah, it's it's the dry, it's the dry season and your job is like don't let a giant fire start, so. Yeah. So we start off in our lookout tower. Well, you basically, you start off like you hike to your lookout tower and you have yeah. to climb up and go inside. But when you go inside, um, you flip on the power mm -hmm. and then right away you hear a woman's voice on the walkie talkie. And she says that she knows you're there because she can see that your lights are on. So it's very cool and kind of eerie at the same time, right? Totally. Almost like this person's watching you already, right? And that's yeah. kind of this thing throughout the game that this she's in, you can kind of see her tower way off in the distance. You can't see anybody inside it, but she's, you know where her tower is. Yeah. That's a good point, Tim. Their first interaction with a human being here is you're being watched by her. Right. Yeah. Now 
right away, I noticed gameplay wise that they're doing a really good job just letting you know what you need to do next. Um, and that that kind of yeah. that played out through the entire game. I was I was never confused with where I needed to go or what I needed to do. There's big like big words at the top of the screen that this is what you need to do. And it was yeah. very straightforward. And I appreciated that, especially in a type of game like this, where all you really want to do is experience it, right? You don't want to get really stumped with something. So they're not trying to stump you. They're just allowing you to, you know, be a part of it. You got to follow your map. You got to use your map a lot because that's what you would do in the wilderness. And I didn't really, um, I didn't really get that early on in the game. So I was finding myself lost a lot. And I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but my wife was like, just check the map. And I'm like, no, 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 I know where I'm going. <laughs> and I got lost a lot. But if you use the map, it's it's straightforward. Yeah, uh, I'd have to agree. I remember that from my first playthrough. I was not using my map very much. I'm just like, I'm going to look at my map, know that I have to do this and then just exactly. do it. And then, yeah, I mean, within 10 seconds, you're completely going the wrong direction. And yeah, so I, 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 I yeah, I picked up, you know shortly into the game last time that uh, or the first time that you have to use this map this time i was just i was all over that map i'm like i'm, oh, I'm gonna sure, walk yeah. 10 feet and make sure i'm going the right way and then you know yeah definitely. only when I, i'm like when i'm at that when i'm at the top of the map i'm gonna walk with the map out so yeah. i can see myself and walk yeah, exactly you get your walkie talkie here which is uh it's cool like this is basically your main tool or your like your main weapon of the game right like if if yeah. your character was to have a sword or a gun or something this is what it is it's your walkie talkie Totally. And it's how you communicate with your partner. And we learn her name is Delilah. Uh, I think I'm going to call her D throughout the podcast a little bit, just to make it a little bit Sounds good. easier. Uh, she, save a couple Save a couple seconds? Yeah, save a few seconds. Exactly. Now, she's our supervisor in that other tower that we can see in the distance. And I thought it was really interesting right off the bat that we've kind of just like left and in a way abandoned our wife. Um, yeah. And now we're communicating with this new woman all of a sudden, mm -hmm. like our new kind of world is with this stranger woman. And I just thought it was an interesting dynamic that you kind of get away, but you're kind of, I don't know, you're, uh, I'm feeling always reminded about the decision we made to get rid of her, get rid of Julia, right? Just because we're- For sure, we're, because you're hearing a woman's voice all the time. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And when you're, when you're sort of running away from certain- responsibilities you often want to be surrounded by people who don't know you because then you don't have to talk about it um when you're when your loved ones are around you then that's what they want to talk about right so you you go out to this job in the wilderness no one's going to know you you can talk to her about whatever you want to talk about you don't have to get into it if you don't want to right so the gameplay element involved with the walkie-talkie is that delilah will basically communicate with you and ask you questions or tell you what to do. And after she does that, you have the option to respond or not respond. Yeah. And then if you want to respond, you have usually two to three options to choose from, which are often quite different. Whichever one you choose does in fact elicit a different response from Delilah. On a, on a technical note, it's really cool because the game works out what the most appropriate next line of dialogue will be depending on all your previous choices and actions. Yeah, it 
it's actually amazing. Um, the second time I played it through, I did different things and I got a lot different dialogue and some stuff that I thought was pretty important in the first run through. I didn't get in the second run through because I didn't go down that path with her. Yeah. So video games oftentimes have like a story tree where you can follow oh, yeah. follow the narrative that's breaking off into different paths. And they were unable to do that with this game because there were too many different possibilities of what your dialogue could be. So I thought that right. was super cool. So you are very, very cool. You really are changing what's like what's happening um with your communication with with um, yes. Delilah. So you're not changing the major game points here. Right. But the way objectives that, don't change. Yeah. Your relationships. Your relationship yeah, your changes relationship. with her. So yeah. it's very neat. We kind of after after a little bit of like the, the intro there, we kind of get this um this like screen that comes up that says day one. And that's yeah, um yeah. one of the things that happens that lets us know that we're progressing through the game is this kind of like uh firewatch emblem or badge comes up and it says like day one or day two. Yeah. So our first task is to go and stop someone from setting off fireworks. So yeah. I think like Delilah contacts us. She's like, do you see that? Like, we're like, oh, see what? And she's like, look out your window. And you look out the window and you can see fireworks in the distance. So we uh, we have to go into the forest, go just follow. You're kind of like, I found myself just looking up into the sky, kind of following where the fireworks were coming from. Totally. Yeah. Try to look and find them. We're in the forest. So we have to use the navigational tools that we've mentioned. Now, the forest itself has... Um, like lots of signs and some main manicured paths that you can follow, but also mm -hmm. you can go off-roading into the bush and onto smaller trails, which are kind of unmarked. Right, definitely. Um, there's also like these supply depots that are around that will, um, once you get to one, you can open it up and it'll update your map for you, kind of open up some new routes. Oftentimes, Henry will mark up his next objective on the map so you can actually see that. Yeah, you also find like interesting things in the, in the, the 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 supply boxes. You'll find um, like additional tools that can help you. You often find notes from these Ron and Dave guys. Yeah. There's weird items sometimes, like uh, just there'll be like uh, a pine cone or like right, an el yeah. elk horn or something. There's books, yeah. sometimes books, sometimes just pictures, sometimes did food. You, uh, yeah, did you eat the granola bar? I ate the granola bar. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, I, I didn't eat it the first time because I was like, I don't want to die. Right, like, yeah. I don't want to die in this game. So yeah. I ate it the second time. I did the same thing. Yeah. First time around, yeah. I kept it and held it. Second time around, I'm like, I'm going to eat this fucking granola bar. Yeah, I ate it. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah, so I ate it. So we make our way through this camp and we meet up with the people who are setting off the fireworks. And they are two girls skinny dipping. Yeah, of course. Okay, Dean, I want to know what you did in this whole situation, going through the camp okay, okay. up until the point you're they're skinny dipping. Because um, I don't know, it's maybe like thirty minutes into the game, but it's a really, really interesting part in the game because you kind of get a real good feeling for what this game's going to be like from totally. this this very first interaction with people and and items and objects. So yeah, totally. So I I go up and I um you check and see that there's two backpacks first. Um, and then you see like, cause you're at your campsite, you see that there's like beer cans everywhere. And what I did first of all, is I started to clean up the beer cans. I just figured like, this is my job. I'm going to be good at my job. So I, I took them all. I cleaned up all the beer cans. I, um, I think 
is there a is there a bottle of liquor there? There's a bottle of whiskey, yeah. So there's a bottle of whiskey. I took that. I took the bottle of whiskey. So maybe I wasn't like the best uh, the best of my job. I stole their bottle of whiskey. How dare you, Dean? How dare you? I know. I cleaned up the beer cans for them. It's a little bit of a payment. Um, so then uh, as I as I'm walking down to the lake, you see like articles of clothing, and that's kind of how you figure out it's two two women because you see two sets of bras and panties. Um, so I did pick up the panties off the ground, um, <laughs> and then he just kind of drops them because you're holding someone's underwear. Um, but I, I definitely picked those up, and uh, then you go down and you have sort of your first interaction with uh i guess a, a person in the game they're just sort of a shadowy figure in the distance um but i you know i i went straight to their music that was playing their boombox and i picked it up and they yelled at me mm-hmm. so i put it down because at this point in the game i'm thinking i don't want to make a mistake like i don't want to do the wrong thing i know i get different options and i don't want to mess it up so i was actually a little bit stressed out about choices in this time even though I wasn't stressed out early in the game when it was like like I had time to make my decision, when you're on the radio, it ticks down fast um, like for you to make a decision on what you want to choose. So I, was, I felt a little stressed that I was going to choose the wrong thing and then the, the story was going to go the wrong way. So I just listened to the girls. I put the boom box down. I kind of yelled at them and told them to, you know, go, go away. Um, and then they left. Uh, the second time through, actually, I let... My uh, my wife Laura played this part, and she picked up the boombox and threw it in the lake <laughs> immediately. Nice, nice. They they were upset. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a. I'll just touch on that that comment on the walkie-talkie, where you do only have um, uh, a finite amount of time to decide which option you're going to choose, like which an- answer you're going to choose. Yeah. And if you don't choose something in time, then you don't make a, a response. So yeah. um, I, I had that panic as well sometimes. And sometimes I wasn't able to actually get a response out when I wanted to. So I kind of, yeah. it always made me missed... feel bad about not answering something. Exactly. I missed two things really early when I was just kind of getting the hang of it. And so then I was stressed out that I was like, okay, make the right choice. What should you say to the girls? I don't know. I don't want them to get mad at me. Um, yeah. So I was stressed out during that time, but uh, yeah, I just yelled at them and they left. Yeah. So first time through, I also stole the whiskey. And yeah. I also threw the boombox in the water. Nice. That <laughs> first time. Awesome. The first time. But then then I went and retrieved it and oh. took it with me back to my tower. Doesn't it disappear? No, I don't think so. I think I had it in my tower. I think it should disappear, though. Are you it sure? It should disappear with some something that happens very soon in the game. It should disappear. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure, though, because I didn't take it back. So... I just found that boombox way later in the game somewhere else. Okay. I'm I'm pretty sure I took it with me. I could be wrong. It was years ago. Um, yeah. This time through, I I didn't take anything. Uh, I was very respectful. Well, I, we, I'm sure we both confiscated the fireworks, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Of yeah. course, yeah. And then uh, sent them sent, sent them on their way, but... Uh, yeah, but like you like you said, very neat right away while you're kind of picking stuff up and you can see that you can hold it, you can take it with you, you can't actually do anything with it. Like if you if you take a can of beer, like it's nowhere. It's not that you can then like pull it out and use it later. It's just you have decided to take it and you're going to bring it back with you. Right. The only thing um, that's not like that is when you're collecting like pieces of paper and stuff like that which later on you yeah. do you do you, get to like place them down and take a look at them but yeah if you grab a can a can it's just gone, it's gone. you just yeah. you're just doing yeah what you're cleaning up that's all yeah so that's the end of day one we're at day two 
and man, like I'm, I'm noticing at this part, just how beautiful the game is because you get your first, I think I like near the end of day one and then the beginning of day two, you get your first sunset and then your first sunrise and the, yeah. the sunset, it's just these like incredible shades of reds and purples. And then the sunrise, it's all yellow greens and shades of blues. Um, like the, I, I cannot stress enough how beautiful this game is. Just look at some pictures we'll be we'll be posting some pictures of the game as well so people will get to yeah see, that's a but... that's a good point with the colors there tim because the game does look amazing but what really makes it kind of magical are those colors those sunsets that you would get if you were out there that amazing view you would have yeah so delilah now she has left her walkie-talkie on and she's saying some things and it sounds like she's talking about you behind your back yeah yeah if you confront her about it, she gets really offended. Did you confront yeah. her about it? I did. I did, Tim. Okay. So and this moment, this moment threw me off a bit for a long time. It's a little bit, yeah, startling because you call her on it. She gets super offended, and then yeah. she's like, "You know what? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm gonna go like radio silent for a while. I got, I got something yeah. to do, and I don't want to talk to you. And you can't communicate with her anymore. Like you can pick up your walkie-talkie and click on it, and nothing works. So." Second time round, I did not offend her, and she's oh. just super peachy. She's like very happy about everything, and she's like, oh, um, you know, if you need me for anything, just let me know. I'm available anytime, and you just kind of go on on your happy, pleasant way. So okay, yeah, yeah, it was, it good was, choice, Tim, on cool. that second yeah. second way through. Don't call her out. I called her out both times oh, because I did? the second oh. time I wanted I wanted to really dig into that calling her out, so I did it again and. I regret it. Well, calling her out was the right move because something like something weird was going on there. Um, like one of the things we have to stress and we'll, we'll get to some of these points, but the, the game starts to build paranoia quite a bit. And like these little things, like when you hear somebody talking about yeah. you, you know, you want to call out to it because in my mind in the game, I didn't want that to get too out of hand. Right. Yeah. I thought I wanted to nip that in the bud and be like, well, wait a second. Did you just say something about me? Like, let's just have it out right here about what that was rather than just let that go. So um, that's why I did called her out the first time. The second time was purely just because I was interested in to see how the different how she'd react. the different conversations and narratives yeah. would go in this game. So I think I think calling her out in that moment is good for the story wise um, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. So the next task we're given is we need to investigate a telephone wire that's been cut. Yeah. Now, Henry thinks it was these uh, two girls who cut the wire, and Delilah agrees and wants us to go to their campground and give them a scare. Yeah, wow. Whatever that means. She gets pretty upset. She wants us to kind of fuck them up a bit. She's not happy. She's really pissed no. off with that wire getting cut. We think it's the girls because there's a lot of, like, uh, there's some beer cans where the wire got cut. Well, also they leave a little uh they leave a little note for you in their underwear. Uh they leave like a they leave a the one of their underwear is like cut and displayed out on one of the rocks. Right. And it says like they're mad creep at you. on it or something. Yeah, they're mad at you for like spying on them in the water. Yeah. Well they're mad at you for throwing their boom box in the water. That's what they're mad at and stealing their whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh true. Yeah, stealing their whiskey, yeah, and their fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, and their fireworks, yeah. I mean they have like it's fair. It's fair. It's all fair. But yeah, so now we need to go to their camp. And I actually, I got lost and I couldn't find my way out. And totally, Tim. The way, the way that I, it happens a few times, right? 
the way yeah. the way that I found my way out was I followed empty beer cans that yes. they had left, which is yes. super cool. Um, and just uh, just like a nod to how well designed this game was. Yeah, that they would place beer cans on a route where these girls left so that we could also find our way out. Yeah, I always get lost up there. It's a tricky spot, I think. There's there's lots of different times you're going to get lost in this game. Even if you're following the map, it's it's you you can't really not get lost. It's, the force is it's too thick, dude. It's too thick. Yeah. Like I'll tell you what, I'll be following a path, I'll pop out of a path, realize I've kind of come out at the wrong spot. I won't even go too far off of that path and I'll be like, okay, I've gone the wrong way. I came out too early. I need to go back on the path and keep going and I can't find the path. I actually have to go a completely different way because I've lost that path that's probably 15 feet away from me. I just can't find it anymore. Um, totally. But they allow for that because they, there's just so many different little paths and different ways to go that um, you can just find a new way and it's it's super yeah. cool. It's just it's, – um, it's a it's a great way for them to kind of force world exploration on you. Totally, yeah. I definitely did giant circles many times. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Just end up right where I started from. I was like, no, how is this possible? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Next kind of big thing is we find Brian Goodwin's backpack. Now, this is starting to tread on the major story. This is kind of like our first touch on the, the grand story. Yeah. And Delilah knows his name. So basically, I mean, whenever we find something, whenever we come across something, we're radioing Delilah and telling her about it. The first time through, I was like telling her some things and keeping some things secret because I didn't know like if I should be sharing everything with her or not. Yeah. But next time around. Yeah, I just I, I just told her everything. Yeah, I told her everything the second time through. So, you know, we're saying like we found this backpack, blah, 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 blah. She knows this Brian Goodwin. Um, she says he was a lookout with his dad, Ned, from a few years earlier. Now, going through his bag, we find a disposable camera and some rope inside. So it's cool. Now we have this disposable camera. And yeah. they, don't, they don't really tell you what it's for. But, I mean, I went around and started taking pictures of, like, beautiful sunsets and the lake. And, like... That's awesome. Like, different, like, scenes that... Because this game is so beautiful... I would just, yeah. and I personally, like, I love taking pictures of nature just in general. So I found myself, like, looking for the nicest spots that I could kind of camp out and catch a sunset and, you know, climb up a hill and get, like, the meadow yeah. down below. So it was, like, a Perfect. really fun aspect of the game for me, taking these pictures. And that's, that's the way you should use it. Yeah, but you're only... Um, you're only allowed a certain amount of pictures. Like, it tells you how many you have. It's disposable. It's yeah. disposable, and there's... Uh, uh, you've got 18 pictures you can take. So you got to kind of yeah. like save them and, and get the right stuff, catch the right stuff in there. So, yeah, I saved them a little too much. First time I did as well. Yeah. I took one picture the first time. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. well, that's the thing is like, they don't tell you what it's for. So I didn't want to no. ruin anything. Yeah. So I, I was very slow to take pictures. But I, I like as we kept going, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a whole bunch of pictures uh, to see what happens. So, yeah, I, I, I liked the, the photography aspect of it. Yeah, very cool aspect. And the rope helps us because there's lots of um, like high cliffs. And yeah. the only way we can navigate down is by having a rope and like hooking it into a latch that allows us to climb down. And if we climb down, then we can use it to climb back up. And yeah. those are always shortcuts in the game. 
So whenever you can hook up a rope, that's now like, um, you don't have to take like the long way around. You can take like the short way up this cliff. So it's a, it's a neat gameplay element. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool that in this backpack, you get all the ropes you need. So it's not going to be a game where I got to go around and like, I got to use my ropes wisely and go around and collect more. If I run out, you just have all the ropes you need in the game. And I really like that. I think it keeps, it keeps the focus on the story and off of sort of the little tasks you have to do. Yeah, it's a good point. Okay, so we get to the girls' campground to give them a scare, and we see that it's been vandalized. And they later blame you for this by trashing your lookout. And now the girls seem to be missing, and Henry was the last one to see them. Yeah, what did you think happened when you saw that campground? I had no idea. Okay, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking bear. Yeah, possibly or bear. Or I was thinking there's somebody else in the woods. I thought both of those actually, yeah. Those are both my thoughts, but I was leaning on, I'm afraid that there's like some sort of killer out here. Right. So it's at this point that we're no longer jumping like day to day. Like at first they showed us day one, day two. Uh, now throughout the game, they'll skip weeks. Uh, they'll skip a whole month uh, at times. So that's kind of out the window. You're just hitting really random days. Yeah, that was actually another moment that really locked me in because we went day one, two, three, and then all of a sudden we went nine. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. I'm in. Yeah. So Delilah sends us now to look into reports of bear tracks by the lake. And when we get there, we find a clipboard full of notes from our conversation with Delilah. So it's like it's talking about on this clipboard um, how often... Henry leaves the tower, like what time of day he leaves the tower, yeah. where he goes, what paths he Creepy. takes. What the hell? It's really neat and eerie, but Mess me up, man. It is, it's it's weird. Um you immediately find a walkie-talkie on the ground that's not yours. You pick it up yeah. and someone knocks you out. So when you come to, you report it to to D, both both you and her are freaked out and the clipboard had a name on the top of it and it was Wapiti Station. And D thinks it could mean Wapiti Meadow. She doesn't know what Wapiti Station is, but there's a Wapiti Meadow. So she sends you there for your next stop. Now you get to Wapiti Meadow and the whole area is fenced off and locked. Yeah. But we need to get in. So we go to like a nearby campsite looking for help and we find an axe. So hooray, it's a weapon upgrade. Yeah, it is a weapon upgrade. I've At this point, you've run into a couple... Um, paths that you can't cross because there's all this like wood in the way right and you're like oh cool maybe i can use this to knock down those paths now that's correct and you can also use it to cut down some trees to allow you to get across ravines as well yeah also cool um now at this campground we also find a memo that says that there's a research facility at wapiti station yeah henry and d are both paranoid at this point that they are in fact the ones being researched because of that clipboard we found. And they think people are listening in their, on their conversations and and maybe studying them. Yeah. Maybe some sort of social experiment. Mm -hmm. So we're on, on on people that are isolated. Exactly. Yes. Now we're on the walkie talkie with D and we hear a third party cough on the line, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is creepy. So, yeah, I started running. <laughs> did you? Awesome. Yeah, I was like, awesome, oh man, dude. I'm booking it. <laughs> I was often doing 360 degree rotations to see if there was anybody in my area oh. looking at me. 
Totally. I backpedaled a lot. <laughs> uh, D tells Henry to head back to the lookout and wait. Yeah. And then the next morning she calls us again and she's using code words to get you to go to a place called Cottonwood Creek and to a supply box there where she's given you a new walkie talkie. Right. So now we get a technology upgrade, right? We get a new yeah. cooler, like red colored walkie talkie. So it's fun. Like even though it's this game where there's, you're just kind of like communicating, they're giving you upgrades and you feel like you're getting achievements in the game. Yeah, that's true. I never, I never really thought about that, but you did just upgrade your weapon. Yeah. <laughs> to something, to something else, even though it just looks different. Exactly. Um, Delilah lets us know that she was supposed to file a report for the, for the girls, for what happened. Right. And she never did. And she's starting yeah. to get worried that if someone's listening in on this conversation, um, that they would know that Delilah and Henry had a conversation about this and didn't report it. So it looks bad yeah. for them. So more paranoia building yeah. here. Yeah. Now you get back to Wapiti Station with your axe and you can get in because you break the fence and it's intense dude when i went in here when i finally broke the fence oh man it's so mysterious this game's so mysterious and like yeah. breaking into an area i was like i had no idea what was going to happen it was it's the most intense at that spot i felt very much like lost you know finding the dharma initiative that's exactly what i thought was going on here it's like okay okay something is happening there are weird experiments going on and i'm walking into it right now yep 100 percent so you go in, you find some real high-tech wireless communication equipment, and you find this wave receiver device in this like large tented area, and another it's another technology upgrade, right? Yeah. We're, we're skipping over like, like several large chunks of the game here, but this is kind of we're following the main story. So another yeah. like walkie-talkie upgrade. Um, well, yeah, it's like it's your compass upgrade because before you just had to follow a compass and now you have a tracker that says the directions, like says south, right. east, west. So it's actually all you have to do is pull it out and it tells you exactly where you're going. It's like a combo of your walkie talkie and uh, your compass. Yeah. And it totally reminds me of that um, that movement tracker in Aliens. It's just like you, you point it in the right direction and it's beeping for you. Yeah. Really cool. So it does start. And the beeps get more intense when you get closer. Yeah. It yes. totally reminded me of that. Yeah. So it does start beeping right away and it leads you like further into the tent where you find a tracking device. Now, you also find a binder with something called observational reports. And the reports are on Henry and Delilah. And it's like almost like personality breakdowns. Yeah. And yeah, what's going on, man? Oh, it's really, it's really creepy because like Henry says that he's uh, susceptible to uh, manipulation like he's uh -huh. he's a level like nine of ten for manipulation yeah. delilah is only a three out of ten but it's got right. all these other like weird things like that nobody should know about you so and this is the station that like it looks like it really looks now like people are test doing tests on you right like trying to oh totally uh, yeah it's 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 neat and creepy and there's weird there's like a bulletin board also on the wall that has like a bunch of um pins and like red ribbon connecting them and it could it looks like it maybe could be your um your like treks that you've been taking in the day yeah yeah so you grab what you can out of that tent and you take off and you're no more than like 10 seconds away from that camp and Delilah radios you and says that site is now on fire. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> what the hell? So, the paranoia is through the roof at this point. I'm so nervous at this point in the game. We're all the way up to day 77 now. Yeah. Moving fast here. We're back in our tower. Um, 
all of the notes and papers that we've collected are now laid out in front of us and like placed up on the wall, which was yeah. really cool because at this point in the game, you're so paranoid and like wondering what's going on that I had this really cool like detective moment where it's just all laid out for me and I could pick, I was just picking every single thing that I had collected and reading over it again and like totally. trying to figure out this mystery of what the hell's going on. Yeah, you have your own little FBI board there. Yeah. Uh, they do a really good job of like making you want to figure out what is what yeah. is happening here. So definitely, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Now all of a sudden, this new wave receiver you have starts beeping again, and you go and find a backpack hidden in some bushes. You find a key to the cave in it. Now this cave we didn't mention it, but it's one of the first places you get to in the game that you can't get into. Uh, yeah. So it's really neat that like further on in the game here. We've got this key and we want to go back and see what's going on. Yeah. Um, you report that key to Delilah and she says that she can see you in your tower, but you're not in your tower. You're in the, that in the is bush. so creepy. Yeah. So you quickly rush back and you find a Walkman taped to your door. And it's a recording of you and Delilah talking, making it sound like you burnt down that Wapiti yeah station creepy so it's day 78 now and a big fire has started in the forest and the smoke from the fire has started to move in and it is super fucking cool dude because the smoke is starting to overtake the landscape and it's not like your beautiful clear skies anymore it's like smoke filled a smoke filled environment yeah very interesting yeah how your beautiful uh, scenery has now sort of gone a little bit to to chaos, just like your story has. Yeah. Delilah tells us somebody claiming to be Henry reported the Wapiti Metal fire and said right. that Delilah was the one who, or she knew or had information of how it was started. So, yeah, so yeah. she's freaking out, obviously. So there's more paranoia building in the game. Yeah. She even asks you about it and says, like, did, did you really radio it in? I have to ask. Yeah, she questions you. Yeah. So- I liked selecting. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> nice. It was a good response. Yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> He's like, I only know how to talk to you. How would I even do that? Yeah, I think I I think I pulled out the uh, of course not response. Of yeah, course yeah. not. That's or, what I did the or, first or why time. Why would I do that? Yeah. 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 Uh, so we go to this cave that we have a key for. And as soon as we go in, someone locks us in. Slams the door from behind and we're locked in. Um, we make our way through. It's really cool. Being in the cave was like really creepy and neat. But yeah. we, we go through. All we really see is a single shoe, a single red shoe in there. Right. And once we get out of the cave, we quickly find this secret place that this kid, Brian Goodwin, was using as like his like uh, almost like a treehouse, right? But it's like in a cave yeah. kind of. And we tell Delilah and she knew that Brian was up there with Ned. Now, Brian, he's probably like a teenager, like a young teenager, maybe 13, maybe 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he's not supposed to be there. I think Delilah was supposed supposed to report that Ned had someone up there with him, but she didn't. Yeah, she kind of liked the kid. So. Yeah, she liked the kid. So this secret lair was like really cool, like such a such an awesome little getaway for him to have. Like I would have loved to have something like this as a kid, you know, some yeah. little area you could get away to. He had like... He had drawings and he had... Um, he had comic books up there. He had comic books and books and he had... Uh, he, was like, had dr- he was doing drawings from this Wizards and Waverns game he was playing. Yeah, it was like a D&D type game. Yeah, it's just really cool. Yeah. Um, 
so these missing girls that we were talking about, they turn up alive and right. in jail for stealing a farmer's tractor. So that mystery's cleared up. Nothing going on yeah. there. Now, when we were in Brian's cave, we find some metal spikes. Now, this is another like uh, tool upgrade because we've been using rope to hook into clips. But now that we have spikes, we can hammer these yeah. spikes into rock and use that to come down like hard rock. So what we do with that is we go back to the cave to use these spikes and we head down this huge cliff. Uh, we go deep, deep, deep all the way down and this music starts to kick in and it's kind of neat because it all, like when the music kicks in in the game, you kind of know something's about to happen. Yeah. You know, you're on the right track. Sometimes Delilah would also radio in if you're on the right track and it helped you know that you're going the right way. She'd like radio in to have a communication with you. Yeah. But the music kicks in and unfortunately we find Brian's remains here. So he fell trying to retrieve his backpack that he had dropped in that cave. Yeah. And what Delilah had said earlier is that him and his father, Ned, so his father used to work there. He also lived there with his father and then they just disappeared. Right. Like she thinks they just took off and it was three years ago. Right. So, I mean, I get ultimate chills at, at this point in the game. Definitely. It's it's the perfect culmination um, of the like the imagery that you're seeing, the um, the point you're at in the story, and then the music, yeah. the music that um, they're playing. Yeah. Is... And what I really like, what I really like too, is you have to go through it alone because you're in this deep cave and you can't radio out because there's no signal, so you can't even radio to Delilah what you're finding. So you kind of have to go through that whole moment on your own, which is not really something you've done in this game. You've always radioed her of everything that you've come across. So you have to go through it on your own and then get out of the cave and then you can tell her about it. That's a good point. Yeah, very good point. Um, even the second time I went through this, I just, I got the same chills. I was just like mm -hmm. devastated at this moment. It's like, cool, so powerful. For sure. It's a, it's a dead kid and the body's there like the, i did the body's not expect like, that to happen yeah and it's not a like he didn't just fall like a day ago it was like probably a year old or something or two years you know it's well, like I, th it's, I think it's three years old i think they disappeared three years ago right yeah, yeah so it's oh it's uh wow um yeah now we tell delilah now she obviously feels bad as well because she might feel somewhat responsible because she could have reported this uh when they came out but she doesn't yeah she let brian live there yeah she says that they're leaving tomorrow because the fire's gotten too big. Mm -hmm. So we're on to day 79 and the wave receiver goes off one last time and we go, right. we go to investigate and uh, Delilah contacts us and says they're coming to pick her up and we need to get there too. But the wave receiver leads us to another cassette tape on the side of a cliff yeah. With a rope going up to an area we haven't been able to access yet, and the name Henry spray painted on a rock with an arrow going up. So yeah. that was super exciting because, like, it was very exciting. Yeah. Was, it, who left this? Who knows yeah, who I am? Which, I couldn't wait to put that tape in. Definitely. So you put the tape in, and it's Ned. Yeah. The father of Brian. The father of Brian. And he's saying that he didn't kill Brian, that it was an accident. Mm -hmm. um, he's been out there for the whole three years Yeah. when he thought about going back and having to answer all the questions about Brian, he just said he couldn't, he couldn't 
see how he was going to deal with that. Yeah. So, and uh, he basically admits to doing the stuff that we were wondering about. He, he's the one who is like writing on these clipboards and uh, being creepy and being on the walkie-talkie and causing this paranoia. He has done everything the entire time. And he says because he ran out of books. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he says he's leaving now, obviously because the fire's there, right? So, yeah. so he's gone. But, um, yeah, that's kind of going through it. Going through the game, that was kind of always my my thought in the game was, did Ned kill Brian, or or was it an accident? So that that was always what I was trying to figure out. Now. Right after this, we get to find Ned's base, like his kind of hideout up in the mountains. And there's even more evidence here for, for what he did. So like everything is laid out here. Um, he's got those observational reports, like he's got half, like half typed up sheets. So you can see he's making them. And he's made like errors. And then he's been like, after he makes a typing error, he just writes like fuck after it. Yeah. And, like starts over a new one. Yeah. He has to start over. Um, there was a, a, yeah. a, a checklist he had about how to clean up his tracks but he didn't, he didn't get to uh, check anything off because he's got to go now. Um, There's a map of that Wapiti station and he had like it mapped out how to break into it. He had notes about uh, how Delilah and Henry were getting paranoid and he thinks it's yeah. funny. Uh, he's talking about how he should pit them against each other. He says mm-hmm. he should vandalize a, a lookout. Um, he should start working on reports. Uh, they heard him. And uh, they fully believe there's a program like researching them. Yeah, and he should. He use talked that. about having. He talked about having to move to Wapiti Station. Yeah, and because because he couldn't, the smoke was getting too much for his hideout there. So he was going to move to Wapiti Station. Right. So he's just basically all this stuff is laid out there. So yeah, uh, yeah. Now, he also has the same beer as you were finding at the girls' sites. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Though. I did. Yes, I did notice they were the same. I didn't realize that they were, those were his. Maybe his. Yeah, because the the girls never did anything. He did everything. Right. He cut the wire. Right. He actually set up that it to make it look like the girls. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and I, I kind of buy all this because they don't talk much about it, but he had a, a military background. So oh, yeah. he, he would be capable of of living in the wilderness like this and pulling these things off. And uh yeah, I don't know. He's just like he's alone out there and he's just fucking with people, right? He he wants to yeah. he wants to be out there cuz he lost his son and he's probably going bananas and this is what he's doing to kind of pass his time. But yeah. The uh, the smoke is super thick now and like you can't even really see the landscape. Like you've come to know the landscape at this point, but you can't navigate it anymore because you can't yeah. see anything. So you have to use your your map and your well, it's not your, you're using your map and your uh, wave wave signal here. Um, so you need to make it to this evac helicopter that's coming to pick you up. Um, you're you're talking to Delilah. She's still like very broken up about Brian, and like you've told her about this this recording. She's mm-hmm. she's pissed off at Ned for what he did to Brian, and she's upset at herself for not preventing it. So um it's yeah it's, if you try to radio if you try to radio to her about stuff that's in ned's hideout she does not answer she right. doesn't give a shit anymore she is so broken up that brian is dead and her letting ned and brian live there is why he died she's just she won't even answer you yeah so there's uh some urgency now to get to the chopper 
Now, what did you do first time? Did you haul ass to the chopper? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hauled ass to the chopper, yeah. Yeah, I, I hauled ass first time. Second time, I just walked, dude. I was like so enjoying the game that I yeah. just like I took my time and uh, same first time I was so stressed out yeah. and I was like I can't get lost I have to get there and then yeah, exactly the second time you realize oh you never never nothing bad's ever gonna happen you're not gonna not make it to the chopper yeah so I just took my time um getting to the chopper but they they do make it super stressful for you because a lot of the paths that you know are paths and work at the end they block them off like they they put they change the terrain on you. Like all of a sudden there'll be a rock cliff in front of a path you know will take you there, and like that Wapiti station, like the fence is no longer accessible. You can't get through it. So you actually yeah. have to find a brand new route to get where you're going that you've never used before. So and it's tricky. There's a couple tricky things with it at the end. Very. And I got lost both times. Even the second time I got lost because there's there's some like little ledges you have to go up that are very hard to find. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. I got very lost. Uh, but by this point in the game, like basically the entire screen and all the graphics are yellow, just like this bright yellow because the fire is so close. It's taking over. And it's just all yeah. smoke. It's like, oh my goodness, it's so gorgeous. Um, also, when you start to get like where you're heading to is uh, Delilah's tower because that's where the chopper has come to it picked her up and then you have to get there as well. But yeah. the terrain in her area is completely different than the terrain in our area. Uh, it's like it's it's really neat because I really felt like this connection to how our personalities were so different and just the landscapes of where we were at were equally as different. It was a, it was a neat a neat touch. Um, yeah, cool. So you get you get um, into this cable car, you cross this ravine, and you radio Delilah, but there's no response. Um, so she's gone. And I felt like sad at this moment, not, not being able yeah. to communicate with, with her anymore. Like we'd, For sure. we'd lost a best friend or something, you know? Definitely, Tim. She took, she took off. Like she left. she left. Yeah, she left. No, she had to get out. Like the, the helicopter yeah. came for her. She had to go. So, but like she had to get out, but also she tells you it's going to be fine. Like, I feel like there could have been some waiting there. Oh yeah. You feel a bit abandoned. You her. feel a little abandoned there by her. Whether you choose... So the first time through, I chose to ask her to wait for me. And she said, I got to go. Okay. The second time through, I just told her to go. Yeah. And she was like, okay, cool. Bye. Yeah. Um, but the first time, it's a little heartbreaking because you're like, please wait. I'm like scared and I'm alone. Sure. Yeah. So we get one last piece of gameplay here uh, where we're at Delilah's tower and you can go up into her tower for mm -hmm. the first time, right? So it's cool. Obviously, we're investigating this, you know. Um she drew a nice picture of you and left it there for you. It's like, it's, it's really sweet. <laughs> it's very interesting thing because your wife also drew a picture for you that you find in the game. That's right. Yeah. 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 And you put on a headset that's sitting there and it's Delilah talking to you. Now she's already landed back at town and you just get one last conversation with her here. So you, you do get a bit of closure and she says there's going to be a debrief when you get back. And that basically their story is that Ned and Brian is the story. Like, that's what happened yeah. out here. That's what they need to tell people. And that, that's what the story was. The chopper arrives to pick us up. And holy smokes, man, did it feel like that chopper was right there. The, the friggin' sound going on, like the wind, the smoke blowing around. It was so damn intense. 
Yeah, you also can't walk very quickly towards it. I was trying to like run towards it and I was like, why can't I walk? And I was like, oh yeah, well, I guess it's a helicopter and there's like a lot of wind going on. So you don't see people just running up to helicopters at full speed. Right. Um, they're always like, you know, they're always blocking their face from the wind and just trying to get up to it. Yeah. So very, very cool. So you get into the helicopter and you get the end credits. Yeah. Now, curious to hear about your end credit experience because- the first time I, <laughs> the first time I went through it, um, what happens is they've got this beautiful song um, from Etta James playing. It's so so nice and and beautiful, and they're scrolling through the pictures that yeah. you took with your disposable camera. Yeah, great idea. So, did you only get that one picture you took? One picture, dead Brian. Uh, okay, so oh, horrible, dead, dead, <laughs> horrible, <laughs> dead Brian. Dead the only. Brian? It's the only picture I took. I was like, I need this for evidence. Dude. One picture pops up. Dead Brian. I'm out there climbing up cliffs and uh, <laughs> getting sunsets and sunrises, and you take one picture yeah. of dead Brian? The game ends, and the, the, the pictures start coming up, and it's just a dead child. That's awful. It's awful, man. I hated okay. it. Well, you definitely played that wrong. So let's, yeah. let's talk about my story then, is I yes. – sit down i'm looking at these credits and these pictures start to roll and i'm like oh those are some really nice pictures and then i realize oh these are the pictures i took throughout the game cool that's really cool and then as i'm looking at all these pictures a new picture comes up and i'm like wait a second i didn't take that picture yeah so there are six pictures already on the camera that brian had taken with him and his father. Yeah. And it is heartbreaking seeing these pictures because like they're just they're just having fun. They're like they're you can tell that they're having a good time, right? Like they're very happy. Yeah. Um yeah. it just for me it solidified the idea that Ned did not kill Brian. It was an accident. And I just I thought it was such a nice way to the end to end the game. I was just I was really blown away by that. Like at that point I just kind of put the controller down, sat back and I was like, that was one of the most expensive like amazing experiences that I've I've taken part of in in, yeah. in any sort of genre. It's just it's tr it's tremendous. You're a hundred percent right, Tim. That uh, those pictures at the end are just the the little bit of proof that you need that Ned did not kill Brian. Um, they have like some nice pictures together, and it's just an unfortunate accident that happened, and that Ned couldn't really handle it. Um, yeah, it it's I, I had those pictures at the end after unfortunately dead brian um right. but yeah i felt sort of the same way i was just blown away um and i yeah i i was blown away and then my mind just started to work and just started to think back about all the stuff that went on because you don't really get what's going on until that last day you get everything kind of at once and i couldn't really process it at the time so i was just you know working through everything in my head and um yeah, it's just a it's it's a game that you can do that. You just keep thinking about it, and that's why I had to go back and play it again because I was like, I need some I need some answers. I need I have some unanswered questions, and I need to figure I need to dig deep and figure out what was going on here. What actually happened at this forest? Right. Okay. So I know you have some things you want to say about this. So why don't you take the time now to just get into what you want to talk about? Sure. Um, I w I will start with at the ending of my my first play because I kind of did a little bit of a Henry where um. I got paranoid and I started to dig deep into sort of paranoid theories about the game. And my first thought was that there's a lot of sort of inconsistencies in what Delilah has to say to you. 
Um, she doesn't know about things that I thought she should know about. And there's that moment where she has this conversation that is apparently like, well, it seems like it's about you, but she doesn't tell you about it at all. Um, so there was these moments where I was like, you know what? I think Delilah, there's more to Delilah than what, what, it, what seems. And so I started thinking and thinking. And the only thing that really clicked for me um, was that Delilah knew Ned was there the whole time. And she may have even been helping him out. So I went into my second play being like, I am 100% sure that Delilah knows about Ned. And I, all I have to figure out is if she already knew that Brian was dead. If she's just going out there and helping Ned keep people away from Brian in that cave. And on my second playthrough, with that in mind, I was 100% wrong. Yeah. Delilah does not know anything. Delilah is with you. She is 100% truthful to you on, her, on your side. She just kind of sucks at her job. Yeah. Which is understandable because she's drunk for like half of the game. And she, she's like someone who keeps coming back to this job. Like you're, you're running away from your problems. You're there and you don't know what you're doing. She's just someone who's done that for 13 years. She's running away from her problems and she's just coming to a job where all you have to do is spot a fire and call it out. Yeah. So I, I definitely like on that second playthrough, I was I was with it in mind that she was bad. I could not actually pull anything out. She was there was nothing that she did during that time um, that would make me think that she actually knew about Ned, especially when you get to Ned's hideout and you read those notes of his. That is something I didn't do the first time. I didn't read his notes about our communication. Okay. So I totally missed that. So when I got that the second time, I was like, oh, it is perfectly clear. Delilah does not know anything. And so I was thinking like, well, how does Henry get the key? Who gives Henry the key to the cave? If you read those notes, it's an accident. Ned like Ned makes an alarm out of tracker parts. He doesn't know that you have the tracker. He doesn't know that Henry has the tracker. So he makes an alarm. He stashes a bag because he's busy moving to wapiti station mm -hmm. so he wants to stash the key somewhere because he doesn't want it to be found on him or right. back in his back in his place right so he stashes it puts an alarm on it and you pick up the alarm because he's using parts from a tracker and so it's just it's just chance he doesn't know and he doesn't want you to find it he doesn't want to confront that he, he that that brian died on his watch um yeah so it, it kind of all made it better I was thinking like, oh, I was going into it thinking like, oh, I need this conspiracy to be like true. I need Delilah to be in on it and I'm going to uncover it and it's going to be the greatest. We're going to have the greatest podcast because I'm going to say exactly what happened. And then I played it and I was like, you know what? It's better. It's better that it's just like straight down the pipe. That's everybody's being honest in this. And it is just a couple, well, three broken people. And it's they're they're faced with these responsibilities that they when when they are when their body wants to fight or flight they're all running away from it they're all running away from their problems and they they need this like each of them in this summer kind of get over it and find what they're supposed to do um yeah i'm glad that you said said that and got to that spot on your second gameplay because yeah for me playing it the first time it was always just about did ned kill brian for me like I, yeah. I, I was paranoid all of the time. And I think um, being paranoid the first time around, 
I actually disengaged a whole lot. I didn't do a whole lot of conversation with Delilah. I would yeah. often not respond to her. I would often, in my mind, try to misdirect her because I, I, early on, I felt like something was up and I thought this would be the best route to go. So I didn't like, have a whole lot of worry in the game until I came across Brian's body. And then, yeah. then the mystery of if he got killed or it was an accident started to arise. And that was it for me. That was the closure at the end when I saw those pictures and I saw Brian and Ned together happy that that was the yeah. closure I needed. And that sealed the game for me. So yeah. when you played your first time through and you you, you messaged me and you're like, there, I, Oh, there's so much. I've got so much. I want to like talk about with this one. There's so many interesting things going on. I started to think, well, um, I didn't really like get that from the game. So yeah. maybe I either missed something or you were missing something. So on my second time through, I was kind of this at the same place. Um, and, you know, I don't even, I don't remember if I even saw Ned's, read Ned's notes the first time around, but I definitely yeah. did the second time. And it is all laid out for you there that he had done everything. So it, it, it was always the same story for me. So I'm glad that we kind of both got to the uh, same spot with it. Here's what I want to say and what I really love about this game and what what the creators have done with this game. It's like they chose a very complicated way to tell a very simple story. If you want to tell this story about Ned and Brian, that's not enough to build a video game around, right? So, so they come up with this captivating idea to add in all this paranoia between the characters to make the game more fun and engaging for everybody. Now, I love this fact that Dean, you and I are playing this game, a video game as an escape from reality. Now the character we're playing as Henry is escaping his own reality in the game. So having that in common makes it a really powerful combination that's going to get you and I invested in Henry and his story here. So it's going to be very easy for us to believe what's happening is true. Yeah. To add to that, we're being asked to choose like how we want to respond to the different situations. That's going to drive and change the whole narrative and our relationship with Delilah. So by doing all of that, the designers found a way to make us, the player, feel super invested like buy into these events buy into what's happening and ultimately feel like we are the center of that story we're the center of the events that are happening um i love that because they were able to capture this essence like that is part of human nature like we humans we just feel like the world is revolving around us at all times like we're the center of all the yeah. events but that's not the case like um dean if you take henry out of this game like what really changes yeah not not a whole lot changes if you just no. pull henry right out of this game most of these events still continue to happen you know it's like other than the relationship that you built with delilah and the small way you were connected with ned that's kind of all that's gonna that's all that's gonna be missing from this game yeah. so as a player in the game like i found myself feeling at the end like I didn't want the game to end. Like I, I mentioned the second time round, I was walking to the helicopter because I enjoyed it so much. I didn't want to leave in that chopper. Like I felt like I felt like I was still in this escape that I wanted to be in and I wanted to keep playing, but there was no reason for me to stay. Delilah had yeah. gone, Ned had gone, like that that had all ended. And 
for Ned, I feel like the reason he stayed there for so long was that he still had his reason to stay, right? Like he found a reason that he didn't actually need to leave and all this happened and it all made sense to me and I just, I love what they did and I thought it was tremendous and perfect and I love it. Yeah, Tim, you're, you're just totally, totally right about how they make it so personal for you because you can do so many things in this game that don't matter at all. They're just things for you. Like you can go around and collect those books and you can bring them back to your, you have to bring them back one at a time. You can't even put them in your backpack. You have to hold it, bring it back to your tower and put it on a bookshelf. And you can just do that for you. You can clean up the beer cans. And that's just because that's the character you are. You the, you can just make it very personal for you. And they try to make that story very personal so you can connect with the character. And if we look at sort of the whole story, it's three characters that are all kind of, you know, they're kind of broken characters. They're going through very tough times. And so I, I I stop and think, why do I love it so much? What do I love being Henry when Henry's kind of doing some things I don't agree with? Why do I love to be him and direct him through this? And it's because it brings us back to when we talked with Pat um, on Good Time about why we like that type of movie and why we like horror movies. And he said, it's like it's a safe space for you to experience those emotions. So playing this game is a safe space for you to experience, well, what if something horrible like this did happen and my gut response was to run away? It allows you to explore that um, in a way where you don't have to hurt anyone's feelings. Like you just get to you just get to play it. And in the end, you, because of the way you directed the game, you get to decide if you want to go back to, to Julia or if you don't. Um, your, Delilah's going to try to direct you to go back to Julia, but... You don't know because the game ends with you getting on the chopper. So you tell the rest of the story in your mind. And I think that game is the game is so perfect to tailor you to feel by the end that it is you. You are Henry because of all these little moments you've had. Yeah. There's like a time there's a time where you wake up in the morning and your ring is on your desk and you can decide if you want to pick it up and put it on or if you want to just leave it there and it'll just stay there. I was going to mention that. Yeah, it does nothing f- for you. I, I put nope. it I put it on. I put it on as well. The second time through, I was having fun and I threw it in the bushes. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But the first time I put it on. Um, I think that all these characters show you a glimpse into what Henry could become if he doesn't figure things out. So Delilah is someone who's been coming back from 13 years and she's still awful at her job. She gets drunk the first night that her uh like she's a supervisor she gets drunk the first night her employee is supposed to arrive she doesn't even know about a huge research station that is like right outside her window and i believe she doesn't know about it like i don't think she is i've seen some things on the internet that she's lying about that i think that she actually just isn't very good at her job she just she uh recommends to henry to like start a fire (laughs) so like she's just she's not good that could be you if you come back Summer after summer after summer, not caring about what you're doing. You could be Ned if something actually happens to Julia. You could be like, oh, I'm living out here forever. Like, I can never face my my problems. I can never go back if Julia actually, if something like terrible happens to Julia and I wasn't there for her. Um, and I actually think this is where I'll just wrap it up and get back to Ron and Dave. I think your relationship with Ron and, or your relationship with Delilah is just like Ron and Dave's. Because... Dave, if you read the notes kind of closely, Dave is uh, in love with Ron and Ron's sort of not interested at all. Right. Um, and the last note is, so so Dave gets like beat up at a bar at the end of one summer. So he doesn't get to come back at the end of that summer. 
So he grabs this final note the next summer. And the final note says, Ron is not coming back. Ron's saying, I'm not coming back. I've moved away with my girlfriend. Dave gets that note. He gets the tape of that song that is Ron singing it for him. And he goes out to their hideout and he plays the tape and he has the letter and there's like 20 beer bottles there because he's just, that's the last time he was going to see the guy that he was interested in. And that's kind of the way you and Delilah, like you, you might not be interested in her. It's the way, I mean, you, you make those choices during the game, whether you want to flirt with her or not, but it's still someone that you had this summer bond with and she just takes off. And you can feel that sort of abandonment when you go and check out her her lookout. And I just felt it very paralleled when I actually listened to that song and actually read that last note. I was like, oh, yeah, you're you're kind of Dave here um, mm. coming like your your friend who you your work friend. Like that's what Ron says in one of the letters. No, nah, I don't want to talk about personal stuff. We're just work friends. And it kind of hurts. You spend every day with that person and you you give to that person. And as soon as they want to talk about personal things, they're like, ah, no, thanks. Oh, uh, that's that's cool. I um, I envy you a bit for kind of sealing up Ron and Dave's story there because I didn't get that out of the game. And uh, uh, this is a game I'll play again, and I, I would like to to do that part of it. Um, did you find the turtle? I didn't find the turtle. Uh, no, I found the I found the turtle, and I named him Turt Reynolds. Nice. <laughs> That's one That's of the amazing. options. Yeah, that so, was one of the options. Okay, yeah, nice. one of the options. I found the turtle. Um, there's a lot of like weird raccoon stuff in the game. Lots of books there and are, pictures there is, had yeah. um, a raccoon on it. Um, I found Ned's a cabin that Ned was living in. Yes. Uh, did you find that? Yes. the The outhouse actually is very close to that. That has the uh, that has the lyrics of the song. Oh, okay. So yeah, the yeah. So a raccoon jumped out at you in, out of like a furnace or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then Ned had like his military hat there. There's like a Korean War vet hat or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you can that wear is, that. You can yeah. take that and wear it. Yeah. Okay, very yeah, cool. A, yeah, there's a lot of like just little cool things you can go around and find in the game. Um, and it's a it's a really cool story that kind of, you know, gets you paranoid and then lets you know that it's actually reality. Maybe Henry came here to get an escape and maybe he's letting his mind go crazy because he wants some adventure. But it's he's got a face in the end he's just gotta you know face his responsibility and he's gotta do something about his about his life for sure all right dude one thing left to do what if So another kind of a tough what if scenario because that game is very yeah. unique and interesting, but I'll keep it pretty simple because this is just something that I thought about while playing the game. Um, you only come across three people in this game. You you see the two skinny dippers kind of mm -hmm. off in the distance, just silhouettes. Mm -hmm. And then there's one moment in the game at nighttime where you're going, you're walking up a hill and you see someone at the top of the hill, a silhouette, and they're uh, shining a flashlight at you. Those are the only people you see. So I was just wondering what would this game be like if you encountered more people in the forest or just saw more people in the distance? Cause I was always looking in the distance and 
my mind would play tricks on me. I think I would see somebody because I was so on edge and paranoid. And then I'd right. investigate further and it's just some bushes. So right. it, they really did a good job with that paranoia. But what if they actually showed more kind of people just in places? Um, maybe even if they were kind of hidden or whatnot, like Easter eggs. But what uh, does that do anything for you if they do that? Or do you like it better not seeing anybody? Yeah. Um, so seeing people like we did with the teens and you know the the figure with the flashlight i think that's good i think seeing people like that would be okay because there's moments there's moments in this game where i think you're being followed by ned because i would be i would be standing somewhere where there's dirt and i could hear grass kind of moving Mm-hmm. around me and i think he's like sneaking up on you and following you and making sure that you're not um you know finding him or finding his stuff and i wonder if you heard that and you turned and you'd see like a figure kind of quickly duck behind a rock if that helps or hurts um i mean it definitely increases the paranoia story yeah right so I think there are like there's little things that they do without having to see anyone that increases the paranoia story story like Delilah's phone call that seems to be about you. But it's not like that's just misdirection. She's just talking to another lookout probably. And she just gets mad that you confront her. Um, I think if you actually saw someone, if you saw someone in the distance and go away, I, it definitely heightens that that paranoia yeah i think i would have liked a little bit more of that just like yeah you definitely see somebody but you have to do a double take and by the time you go back for the double take they're gone they're gone yeah, yeah but you know for sure you saw something and yeah. even if you could maybe like capture one of your pictures of the person right like someone is just yeah. standing in the distance and you can take a photograph or something but um yeah i got i got in decent position the second time around when delilah tells you that someone's in your lookout okay so I had got the bag, got the key. I got in pretty good position that I could see the lookout and she said it and I looked and there's no one there. So it would be, it would be cool if you could just see a shadowy figure, but then by the time you get up there, they're gone. Yes. Um, I think yes. that would be neat. Like that would be cool. You'd be like, oh, how did they get out of there? What, how was I seeing things? Like even just a shadowy figure, I think there would have been really neat. Yeah. So I agree. I would like to see that more. I don't want to actually run into anyone. I want shadowy figures. It'd be neat if maybe one time in the game when you were looking down at your map, like somebody like came and bumped into you and knocked you down or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Something and you didn't and you didn't like like, yeah you didn't see them or anything. Yeah, yeah, you just kind of got startled. But yeah, it 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 does make that one moment where you get knocked over the head pretty powerful. But I wonder if there was more of those. If it would also if you just feel more yeah paranoid about every corner you turned. Yeah, I think there's maybe a little bit of room for that. But yeah, I mean the game is excellent. Um. Okay, I'm going to play it again. Are you going to play it again, Dean? Uh, Yeah, I would play it again. I just absolutely love it. I like that safe space it creates to feel those emotions. Right. That was a that's an excellent point about that, by the way, too. So and also very uh, easy to save your game. Just whenever you want to save, you just save it and you kind of start right back up there. So very easy game yep. to play. A lot of fun. We've uh, spoiled everything for everybody, but please go out and play that game. It is uh, excellent, um, excellent story. The visuals are incredible and the music is off the charts. So, Dean, thanks for joining this week. Yeah, thank you, Tim. And thanks, everybody, for listening and we'll catch you next time. To our own
Shoshone, where the birds and the bees won't know me. Man and war won't exist no more, and there ain't no gals to keep no score. I'm taking off for the woods to a place where there ain't no shirts. Don't need no books or ponds or the ponderosas. Don't need no lady or marry the mariposas. Can't waste no time in getting there. I'll do 80 down 80 without a prayer. Don't need no gal, I'll spruce up for the spruces. Don't need no pal, I'll change my mood up for the mooses. Headed off to old Shoshone, where the birds and the bees won't know me. Men and war won't exist no more, and there ain't no gals to keep no score. And if you're wondering where's my aspen, it's been cavorting amongst the aspens. Don't need no grass, I'll get altered among the alders. Don't need no mass, I'll grovel before the boulders. I'm headed off to old Shoshone, where the birds and the bees won't know me. Men and war won't exist no more, and there ain't no gals to keep no score. I'm headed off to old Shoshone, where the elk and the owls won't know me. Where there ain't no judges to whom I gotta plead, cause I can be me in old Shoshone. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.